0: Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the 11th Sunday after Pentecost, and we hear from the Reverend Michael Lemaire as he preached from the lectionary, which this week was was Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 23. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. When I'm preparing a sermon and I look at the text, one of the first things I do is try to think of the questions that might come up in your mind. What things seem interesting or capture your mind and, and then try to build a sermon around them. And so, some of the questions I thought might come up on a, such an iconic, text of Jesus walking on the water is did that really happen <laughs> and why did it happen you know it's one of those miracles that doesn't seem particularly compelled by necessity you know it's not it's not a sea rescue right and then what are we in 2023 supposed to do with this particular text. It seems to me that that the miracle texts that are such a big part of the life and ministry of Jesus are at this point in our journey something of a stumbling block to people's faith rather than a warrant that Jesus is the Son of God. It seems to me that at at present, we like the parables, we like the ethical teachings, we really can hold those, but when the miracles come up, we all kind of go, I don't know. (laughs) You know, I work in healthcare as a chaplain, and, and I think I work in the one context where miracles are still talked about, you know? People will often say, well, we're hoping for a miracle or we're waiting for a miracle, or we're praying for a miracle. And so I actually talk about miracles fairly often. You know, how do we wait for them? How do we anticipate them? But I think outside of the hospital setting and outside of healings, miracles don't really come up that often. I mean, has your investment broker said to you lately, you're going to need a miracle? <laughs> I mean, Maybe mine will. (laughs) But in general, we don't sort of think of miracles as something that happens to us in our time. I also think that we think that if we did experience a miracle, it would be a total game changer. You know, like if somebody walked across Lake Merritt, that I would be like... I would be so different, right, that my faith would be changed. But unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case. You know, even in Jesus' time, the miracles don't seem to stick, right? I mean, this group of disciples has just seen the feeding of the 5,000, and now they get in a boat, and Jesus walks across the water, and they get in the boat, and they say, "'Surely you are the Christ.'" Surely, they've seen this. And months later, they're going, I don't know the man. I don't know who he is. They can't get away fast enough. So there's this thing about miracles that right away kind of causes us to, to hesitate. I mean, what can we know? Well, we certainly can't know much about Jesus walking on the water. We don't know if his feet were made of cork. <laughs> we just don't know. And we're not going to be able to know. But what we can know is we can know that this was an experience that the early Christian community held close. It's interesting. I, was, I looked at um, John Meyer's book, A Marginal Jew. If any of you are interested in, like, um, the quest for the historical Jesus... Um, He's got about 4,000 pages on the topic, uh, if you want to just sort of peruse that. Um, And in his discussion of the miracles, he tries to go through and figure out, like, to what extent does this miracle come from the time of Jesus? Can we really trace it to the ministry? And it's interesting that this particular miracle has such good attestation. And by that I mean it appears in Mark and it appears in John, which is often considered two different traditions. And interestingly, in John, it seems to appear in an even earlier form. Now, we have Matthew this morning, which usually is considered derivative of Mark, with Matthew adding the bit about Peter getting out of the boat. So, it seems pretty clear that this is from an early part of the Christian tradition, that this is something that the community held on to. And it's also interesting that it has always been twinned with the feeding of the 5,000. Why? They don't seem to really relate much together. You know, the feeding of the 5,000 is understandably in all the Gospels. And it prefigures the Eucharist, this breaking and sharing of bread. So we can well understand why that would be such a a key thing. But why the walking on the water? It strikes me that the nature miracles, you know, walking on the water, calming the storm, and the big catch that all of those, they're miracles for fishermen. You know, if you think about the context that Jesus is working in in the early uh, ministry around the Sea of Galilee, we know that Peter and James and John and Andrew are fishermen and that these are fisher communities. The world of fishermen is about weather, it's about catching fish or not catching fish. I mean, they know how to swim and they've probably almost drowned. They know people that have drowned. They know people that have been caught in bad weather. They know a lot about water and the sea and boats. That's their world. And so it seems to me that these miracles originate in that context, that they speak to their knowledge and their world and their context, that this is for them, for their imagination. And what it is, is it speaks to the encounter of being with God, of having someone that changes everything. And how do you speak about that? A way into this, for me, was a quote from John Dominic Croston, who's another New Testament scholar. Um, and he said, My point is not that ancient peoples told literal stories that we in the present age are smart enough to take symbolically, but that ancient peoples told symbolic stories that we're dumb enough to take literally. <laughs> and I realized that the miracle of Jesus walking on the water is not as consequential as the meaning of the event, as what it meant to them. And so it seems to me that the symbol of walking on the water and the symbol of the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist is part of what this means and why it's held so close to the early community. I mean, remember, the story is that they're in the boat and it's night and they're rowing against the wind and they're tired and alone. And Jesus comes to them across the water. I think we can all relate to a a kind of sense of being alone in the dark, rowing against a headwind. And it speaks to the way that Jesus is present to the early church community. Just as the feeding of the five thousand is a recapitulation of the way God was in the wilderness with the Israelites and Jesus feeds the community with bread enough for all, the walking on the water is also about the presence of Jesus with the community. That Jesus will come to you and be with you in the most unlikely ways, in the most unlikely places. And that's why they belong together. Because they're about presence. They're about the way Jesus shows up. For the early community. And by the early community, I mean us, right? Because we're them. That's really, that's really the, the, the people we are. We're the ones in the boat. And as you listen to it, you can really hear all the different parts of the faith, right? We have the feeding, the Eucharist, We have Peter in the water being pulled out, baptism. We have the the resurrection appearances. It's a ghost. They don't recognize him. Peace be with you. These stories are echoing with Christian symbols. And so to understand them symbolically is not to weigh or say Jesus did or did not, but it's understand why this story is still read today. Why are we still listening? Why is this still meaningful? And so we can take heart that just as we share in the table fellowship, in the feeding, and we experience the presence of Jesus here, we can also go out into the dark and row against the wind and know that Jesus will show up when we least expect.